a series on the Holy Spirit, discovering the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to give uh, credit where credit is due. Um, I'm preaching under the influence for this survey. Um, there, uh, there is a pastor named Chris Hodges that has a book called Fresh Air. I haven't read it. <laughs> But I have heard him speak on the subject, and so some of the content that I'll be using is based off of, um, off of some of the stuff that he's done. And if, you, if you're a reader, uh, I recommend that book to you. You can let me know how it is. Um, but we're talking about um, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I think that's a question that we've all had to wrestle with. We've all had different experiences in our background. But who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just tell you really plainly, really clearly, uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Now, when we think about Jesus, like Jesus is God, we contend for that truth. Obviously, the Father is God. But for some of us, when we hear the Holy Spirit is God, it's like, hmm. Um, If I were to say the Holy Spirit should be worshipped, for some of us who grew up, especially in in, uh, in some certain denominations, we think, hmm. I thought we worshiped Jesus. We do. I thought we worshiped the Father. Oh, yeah, him too. But we also worship the Holy Spirit. He's God too. He's the third person of the Trinity. And we're not going to get into Trinitarian doctrine this morning. But the Trinity is, is, is one God, three persons. I like to think of it as phases of water or phases of H2O. You have water, ice, and steam, right? These things are all equally H2O. They're just, they're just different phases. Well, we don't call God a phase because he's a person, so we say different persons of God. And we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is. Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father is. Now, we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when we're talking about the Trinity, um, and, and Holy Spirit is usually last. You need to understand that's not because he is the least, That's because he was the most recently revealed to us. Now, the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the second verse of the Bible. It says the Spirit of God is hovering over uh, the face of the earth. And there he is, preexistent, before time. But we didn't really interact with him as a people until after the veil was torn, after Jesus had come, died, was resurrected, and then the Holy Spirit was made available to everyone. And so it's the chronology, uh, it's the chronological order of how each person of the Trinity was revealed. That's why we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is okay to say Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Father. Like nothing's going to explode up in heaven if you do that. Okay, um, so I, and I know a lot of it's because the the doxology. How many of you grew up singing the doxology? Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, right? That's how we grew up, and so that that's just kind of been ingrained in us. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also at the same time, it's not it's incomplete. It's it, it's only part of the story. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. I've heard people say, yeah, I love the Holy Spirit. It's really cool. Um, uh, He's not like a dog or he's not like a plant or anything like that. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's a person, again, a person of the Trinity. 
Um, you, I've, in recent times, I've heard more and more people drop the article, the, before Holy Spirit. So instead of saying, yeah, I just really sense the Holy Spirit is here, they'll say something like, yeah, I really sense Holy Spirit is here. I like that. I don't call Jesus the Jesus. I don't, I don't call God the God. It's a little weird. Um, but the Holy Spirit, I like just calling him Holy Spirit. I think that's a cool thing that, that I see kind of happening in, in certain circles. I, I might say that sometimes I might not. Um, it's not right or wrong to do it. It's, it's what the Lord's leading you to do. But I like referring to the Holy Spirit without the, okay? Um, so that's an option for you. But I, I want, I want to get across before we get any further because I got a ton of scripture. We're going to go super fast. I'm going to expect you to do some homework this week and look up what we have. If you've got our app, if you go to Sunday at VFC, you'll see the sermon notes. They're filling the blank and they've got all the scriptures and everything they're about to go over so you can do some study. But I want you to get this before we move on that Holy Spirit is a person. Ephesians 4.30 says that he can be grieved. You can't grieve a plant. You can't grieve an inanimate object. You can't grieve a substance. It says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. That word grieved means to make sorry or regretful. You can hurt God's feelings by your actions. And if you notice, uh, surrounding that verse, it specifically talks about some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And they all have to do with how you talk to other people. That's a message for another time. It also says that the Holy Spirit can be quenched. You ever heard someone, don't quench the Holy Spirit? Well, well the word quenched here, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. The, the word quenched here, it means like to suppress fire. It means to put the fire out. You know, something's burning, something's working, something's active, and you do something to ensure that it's no longer active. You know, you can do that. See, God is God and he's sovereign. He can do what he wants to. But he's chosen to partner with you. And there are certain things that you can do in your life, certain things we can do in our church that will quench, that will suppress his desires. And so we have to recognize the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. Now let's look at some of the language here. Now you guys know in the Old Testament um, it's written in Hebrew. The New Testament is mainly written in Greek. There's a little bit of Aramaic in there because that's what they spoke at the time. But mainly it's written in Greek. And we have two words for spirit um, in, in, in this, in, um, in, in Scripture, that mean essentially the same thing. So in Hebrew, the word is ruach, and it means wind or breath. So if I were to tell you in Hebrew, man, your breath really stanky this morning, I would say your ruach is really stanky. But that's the same word when they talk about the, the, in Genesis 1-2, that the spirit was hovering over the face of the earth is the ruach of God. Okay, In the same way, in the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma. The P is silent, pneuma. And it means a movement of air, a current of air, or again, breath. So isn't it interesting that the translators, when translating scripture into English, both with the Hebrew word and the Greek word, they both mean wind or breath, yet we get spirit or ghost. Now, how many of you grew up uh, hearing about the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Now, I uh, so I did a little informal Facebook poll yesterday and I asked people. 
you know, what do you call the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost? The majority of people said Holy Ghost. And then I asked why the majority of people said Holy Spirit and some said Holy Ghost. But the, the ones who said Holy Spirit, they said either, well, it just seems more modern because, you know, ghost seems like a relic of like it's it's how it's translated in the King James Version. Other people said, look, I was really scared as a child when I heard about the Holy Ghost. Because when, when we think, when children think ghosts, they think, you know, ghosts, ghostbusters, ectoplasm. Right? And, and, and so it, it can be a little confusing. And so I personally like Holy Spirit. I'm not against using Holy Ghost. But the, here's the thing. Neither spirit nor ghost are the best translation. It's really wind. It's really breath. But you can understand how they're translating the Bible and they're like, holy breath, holy wind. Like, how does that, like, it's kind of, it's kind of, it seems so impersonal. It seems so partial. And so they chose to use the word spirit or ghost. But it, it's wind. The Holy Spirit is a moving current of air. Eric actually suggested that we call this series Breaking Wind. And I told him no. So I want you to understand that that Holy Spirit is a person... And the, the thing, the, the, the words, the actual words that we see in the original inspired Hebrew and Greek both speak of breath um, or, um, or wind. The, the Greek word for pneuma, it actually can mean a gentle blast, which seems like an oxymoron. How can something be a blast and gentle at the same time until you've come in contact with the Holy Spirit and you know? I've never experienced um, an encounter where someone can totally see right through you, move right through you. It, 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 it awakens violent change in your life, yet at the same time you're unafraid. It's a gentle blast. I love it. I love it. So that's who the Holy Spirit is, which brings us to the next question. What is the Holy Spirit like? What's the Holy Spirit like? Now, here's the thing. And you guys know this, but in, in at least Western Christianity, in the American church, the Holy Spirit has somewhat of a PR problem. Um, people are confused. They're not totally sure what to think of the Holy Spirit. And it's not the Holy Spirit's fault, it's our fault. It's the church's fault. Why? We've usually chosen one of two extremes to represent the Holy Spirit. The first one is to be crazy, wild, and and unaware of, of what the world sees while we're moving in the things of the Spirit, which Paul specifically speaks against in 1 Corinthians 14. Or, because of fear, we totally ignore the things of the Holy Spirit. Most likely... You guys grew up in a church, in a tradition that chose one of the other. You either rarely heard about the Holy Spirit or it was, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. It was usually one of those two. It's very, it was very difficult to, to, to find um, a, a Christian, Western, American uh, tradition that has a balanced approach to the Holy Spirit. 
For many of us, we've had really, really weird, just if you will, just how many of you would say, I had an off-putting, negative, not-so-great experience with the Holy Spirit in a church service? How many of you would say that? Yeah, a lot of you, a lot of you. And, and so, you know, there, some people think that the, the more Holy Spirit uh, the church is, that you've got to dress a certain way. Maybe the women wear long skirts, or maybe someone has to fall down, or, or maybe there's uncontrolled speaking in tongues, or maybe people are running the aisles. You ever seen anyone run the aisles? Ooh, I got the spirit. I don't know what spirit it is, but, <laughs> right? Not that there's anything wrong with running aisles. There's not, but, but what's wrong is when we do the same thing over and over, hoping to get the same result from a God that's different and creative and doesn't want your tradition. He wants your obedience. So, hey, this worked last week. Let's do it again. Okay? Or you can listen and see what the Holy Spirit's saying today. Right? Um, or, or we see, you know, we see, well, if you're into the Holy Spirit, you got to wear a lot of makeup and have blue hair and I mean people get all these ideas about what it is uh, to be around the the Holy Spirit we there are some uh, some in in the in the church that you know when you begin to talk about spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and and things like that it's just kind of looked down on as being unintelligent well that's just you know that's um, yeah, that's for those people. And then you've got some people who, who are, uh, who are spirit filled, uh, or Pentecostal or charismatic or these things. And, and they, they look at those that aren't, um, spirit filled, Pentecostal, full gospel, which is kind of a mean way to put it. We're full gospel. What does that mean? You're partial, right? And they look at them and they say, well, we have the Holy Ghost and you don't. And y'all, y'all heard some of that. I've heard some of that. And we look, we have done a poor, can we just admit, I don't think we, this church, but I think the church at large, we've done a poor job of representing who the Holy Spirit is. What is the Holy Spirit like? What is he like? Well, let's go back to the original word. He's like the wind, right? He's like the wind. So I want to show you three characteristics of the wind really quickly that we can apply to the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. The wind is invisible. The wind is invisible. You can't see the winds. Now, you can see the effects of the winds. You can see how it moves the leaves of the trees. You can see how it, it, it will blow things. You can feel the wind blowing your car when a semi goes past you really quickly, right? But you can't see it. You can see the semi, can't see the wind. And so, just like the wind, the Holy Spirit as well is invisible. John fourteen seventeen says... The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit is invisible. He's unseen just like the wind. So how do you know he's there? You look for the effects. You look for the effects. We know that wind exists not because we can see it. We can hear it. We can feel it. And we can see the effects of the wind as it moves through other things. And, and, and that's kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I understand for a lot of people, it's like, well, that's, that's kind of weird. I mean, he affects me, but I can't see him. But it's not weird at all. The only time anyone's seen God is, is, is when Jesus was on the earth. When, when, when uh, there, there are some other times in the Old Testament where people see a, a, a portion but, but, you know, we, we serve a God 
uh, that it requires faith to know. And so the Holy Spirit, like the wind, is unseen. Here's the other thing. Uh, The wind is unpredictable. The wind is unpredictable, and so is the Spirit of God, John 3, 8. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. You ever been uh, maybe outside and the wind's blowing one way and you know, your hair's going one way, then all of a sudden it's going another way, it's going just the exact opposite way. You're like, whoa, dude, chill. Yeah, the, the wind is pretty unpredictable. And, and all of a sudden it'll be blowing you know, pretty hard and then it'll die down for a little bit and it'll blow hard again and it'll die down a little bit. That's what the wind is like, right? What's well, the same with the Holy Spirit? Y'all, the Holy Spirit is rather unpredictable. He does what he wants. Now, we can do things that attract the presence of the Holy Spirit. But, but in the end, the Holy Spirit, he's giving out spiritual gifts the way he wants to. He's, he's, he's managing uh, his, our relationship with him how he wants to. He's unpredictable. And this is one of the things, quite honestly, that I believe has scared off a lot of church leaders from allowing the Holy Spirit uh, to, to move in church. is because you don't always know what's going to happen when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can't always predict what's going to happen. And that's a little scary if you're in charge. Because, well, what, what if, what if this, what if this? I, look, believe me, I think that almost every Sunday. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Oh, are you going to do that? Oh, we're going to do that. Okay. He's unpredictable. You cannot control the wind. You don't really want to anyway. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. The other thing about wind that mirrors the Holy Spirit is that the wind is powerful. Have you ever been in a really strong windstorm or maybe when a, you know, usually by the time hurricanes get to us, they're like category ones or tropical storms. But I've stood in wind before. I remember once I was on a boat and the wind was blowing really hard and I was like at the, at the front of the boat and the wind was being funneled towards me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not a skinny man, uh, but I could, I could, I was putting all my weight forward and the wind was keeping me up. That's some powerful stuff for something you can't see. And so the wind is powerful, and you guys have seen tornadoes and hurricanes. I mean, it, like when, when our church was hit by a, a tornado a little over a year ago, I mean, it wasn't even a fully formed. It was still forming the process of forming when it, when it hit our property. It was fully formed when it went past us, and it caused crazy damage. Wind. It's just Wind. But it can wreck what it took years to build. In the same way, what you've been building, those negative strongholds in your life, the Holy Spirit can wreck that if you'll let him. If you'll let him. And so, so just as the wind is powerful, Holy Spirit is powerful. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. You'll receive power. It's one, one of the benefits of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Um, and, and that's how, if you're ever wondering, you know, that's, I think that's why the, that word was you. He's not a literal wind, but I think he mirrors the characteristics of breath, of wind. He's the breath of life. He's uh, the breath in our lungs, right? So... That brings me to this question. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Like, what does he do? Like, like I get that he's God, and I, I, and I feel like sometimes, like, we understand the function of Jesus. 
right? He died on the cross. He saved us from our sins. We pray in his name. Jesus is very functional for us. You know, we come to the Father in Jesus' name. The Father is kind of like the brains of the operation, and the Son came and died, and so now. But the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's like, what, you know, like what's the function of the Holy Spirit? And, and so I want to show you, and I want to warn you, there are a lot of these. I encourage you, there's going to be eight of these. You can take a picture of the slide, or you can look at your notes or write them down. But I'm going to go fast, and I'm going to expect you to look these up and verify these on your own. But what does the Holy Spirit do? Do I really need all this Holy Spirit stuff? Yes, you do. First of all, he provides power. We already looked at Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, here's the thing. When Jesus saved you, he saved you in spite of you. He saved you while you were still a sinner. You were still dead in sin. You were still unable to do anything good that, that, that you could offer him. But once you are saved, he offers you power in order to live the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You need his help. And so Jesus opened the door, swung the door wide open through, through his death and resurrection. But it's the Holy Spirit that walks with us and empowers us on a day-to-day basis. So he provides power in our lives. He gives us spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. And we don't have time to get into it. The Father gives us motivational gifts. Jesus gives us ministry gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. Charismata. These tools that we use to achieve the purposes of God in our own lives. He gives us spiritual gifts. If you want, and this is what's, this is what's so sad about those that reject the Holy Spirit, is that they're rejecting the very empowerment they need to live a godly life. See, you're not supernatural, you're natural, until God's super meets your natural, and then you're supernatural. So you need those spiritual gifts. You need spiritual gifts in order to do the things you otherwise couldn't do. Here's another thing the Holy Spirit does. He purifies us. He purifies us. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, Some of you were once like that. He just finished reading a whole list of, of sinful activities. Some of you were like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That word is pneuma, by the wind, by the breath. The wind of the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Holy Spirit purifies you, cleanses you. As you work in tandem with the blood of Jesus, he begins to change you. I need that. You need that. We need the Holy Spirit. He teaches us. He teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. It's one of his main roles. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus talking, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. See, the design of how we are taught has changed from Old Covenant to New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, we were taught by the Law and the Prophets. That's how the people of God heard the will of God. But now the Holy Spirit personally is the one that teaches us the will of God. 
Now, there's this balance, and, and again, we, we, I find most churches choose one over the other. But the Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, we have the Scripture, we have the Bible, we, we have these things as an anchor, but the Holy Spirit works with the Scripture, and the reading of Scripture needs the lens of the Holy Spirit. If you're reading your Bible apart from the truth of the Holy Spirit, you very well might get into error. Because it was never meant to be read apart from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It was meant to be read through the lens and with a working relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. Your word needs a word. Your written word needs a spiritual word. And your spiritual word needs a written word. They work together in tandem. So the Holy Spirit teaches us as well. Look, before you study the Bible, before you read a chapter or even read a passage or maybe a verse or two, you should say, Holy Spirit, teach me and show me what this means. And he will. And there's so many multiple layers of truth and, 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 and information that we get from Scripture, but only when we're reading it through the lens of the Holy Spirit allowing him to teach us. Here's another thing he does. Is he, is he, whoa, I went forward. He guides us. He, the Holy Spirit guides us. One of the things he wants to do is to lead you in life. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit, pneuma of God, are children of God. How many of you want to be a child of God? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the mechanics of becoming a child of God were handled by Jesus on the cross. But the process of becoming a child of God is walked out with Holy Spirit. He is to guide you. He is to lead you. He is always, I don't think you guys realize, the Holy Spirit is always talking to you. He's always guiding you. He's always leading you. And it's our job to learn how. I love the, um, the amplified version of this, um, of this uh, scripture, Romans 8, 14. It says, for all who are willing to be led by the Spirit, is what it says. All who are willing to be led by the Spirit are children of God you got to be willing. you got to be willing. And so many of us, we just live our lives how we want to. And we make our own decisions and those end in turmoil. <laughs> and then we get mad at God. God, why did you let this happen? And he's like, I, I was trying to tell you, man. But you, you don't really listen for me. I mean, it's... it's He's trying to, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to realize, oh my gosh, you were so warning me about that, Lord. And we'll realize, oh, why didn't I listen? Because he's always talking. He wants to guide. He wants to lead. Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us. John 14, 16, it says, I will, Jesus talking again, I will ask of the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Helper. Now, some translations are going to say advocate. Now, an advocate is someone's kind of like a lawyer that's going to plead your case. Someone that's in your corner. Someone, when there's an accusation made against, against you, they go, uh-uh. You know, kind of like your, your posse. Kind of, kind of like your entourage. They got your back. Well, that's, that's what an advocate is. The Greek word is paraclete. 
That's what, that's, that's what he, he's there to, he rushes with divine aid. He's a comforter. He's an encourager. He's a counselor. All these things are found in this word that means helper, or it's translated helper or advocate. I love that he's our comforter. Y'all know life can be hard sometimes, right? Sometimes we just need a comforter. But instead of going to the person of the Holy Spirit, we go to substances. We, We go to entertainment. We go to these things that, are, or that we try to comfort ourselves with it. When we've got a comforter, God himself wants to comfort us. It's, I, I like the fact that it's gotten a little cold these past couple days. It's like the final little cold snap um, of spring. Um, and it's nice because I go to bed and I usually, I don't like a lot of covers on me. I've got like usually just a sheet on me. And I'm like, oh, I'm so hot. But I'll, I wake up in the middle of the, middle of the night I'm like, It's cold. And so what do I do? I reach for the comforter that, that's, that I've pushed onto Tiffany's side. I take it off of her. <laughs> she's doubled up, double comforter. I'm like, mine, and I'm ready for it now. I pull it up, and I'm just like, mmm, toasty. Look, that's what the Holy Spirit wants with you. He wants to be your comforter in this harsh world where it's cold he, he wants you to be able to put him on like a blanket and hmm. I mean, there's, that's one of the roles of God. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to be your comforter, your encourager, your advocate, your counselor. He gives great advice. So he helps us. Seven, here, he convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. John 16, 8. Again, Jesus is talking. He says, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He'll convict the world. You know, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of sin. It's not your job. It's, it's not Billy Graham. You know, he just recently passed away. Mighty, mighty man of God. Um, amazing person. Never a scandal. Never any of that kind of stuff. Just gobs of people coming to Christ through his ministry. It was awesome. And uh, he said something. He said, it's, it's God's job. Uh, it's God's job to... Uh, how do you say it? Oh, it's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and our job to love. And it's true. It's true. You know, you try to pronounce conviction on someone, what you're actually going to give them is condemnation. And you won't be leading them to the cross, you'll be leading them away from it. It's your job to love people. Now, love does what's best for the other person. That doesn't mean we let people hurt each other. You know, if someone's hurting someone, it's not loving to allow them to continue. Okay? So it doesn't mean that we're doormats and that we just don't do anything or respond in any way when bad things happen. It means that it's our job to love us, the Holy Spirit. He's a great convictor. Let him do his job. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. So he convicts us, okay? And, and lastly, and this aren't the only things that the Holy Spirit does, but these are the ones I wanted to show you, is he fellowships with us. He fellowships with us. Now, see, we know this theologically. Well, God wants a relationship with me. That's why he sent Jesus. Yeah, but he also sent the Holy Spirit to literally be with you, to fellowship with you. It's a benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians that Paul writes, and he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I love that. He actually says like the different things that the, each part of the Trinity is doing. 
So the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. New King James says communion of the, of the Holy Spirit. And I love the way the message puts it. It puts the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. May it be with you. That's, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, you guys, is to be with you, is to fellowship with you. And I know if you, if, you, if you came from a denomination where God was like way far away and throwing lightning bolts and, you know, the Holy Ghost, you know, uh, was, was kind of this kind of out there thing and you can't really understand him though. Look, I have good news for you. The Holy Spirit wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. He, he, he wants intimate friendship with you. That's his goal. That's his goal. And you may say, well, what does that look like? Like, how do I do that? Here's what it looks like. You ready? Here's what it looks like. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome. By your presence, Lord. You see how the atmosphere in the room changed? What did I do? It wasn't because I was singing on key. It wasn't even because I had my hand like this. It's because my attention went to him. At any point in time, when you're in Walmart, when you're at work, when you're in your car, don't close your eyes. But at any point in time, you can turn your attention Turn your affection and just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And now you're walking in the intimate friendship of the counselor, the helper, the advocate who was sent on purpose to be with you. You can do that anytime you want. You don't need me to help you. You don't need someone with a degree after their name to help you. You don't, you, you, all those things are fine. But you can come to God through the Holy Spirit, anytime you want, by turning your attention to him. Well, I did that and I don't feel anything. Okay, do it again. Well, but aren't I supposed to feel something? Maybe, maybe not. Does the wind always blow? Sometimes it blows really hard. Sometimes you don't feel it at all. Look, it's unpredictable. You, you, you get out in it, though, and you'll feel it. And that's my question to you this morning. My question to you is, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Is he just another a synonym for God? He shouldn't be because he's his own person. He's advocate, helper, counselor, power provider, teacher, guider, convictor. He's all of these things. But he has allowed you, I mean, he is who he is, but he's allowed you to determine what role he, he plays in your life. Does that make sense? You get to determine what role he plays. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Let's stand for prayer. I encourage you. Um, we're gonna, this is a short series. It's just three weeks um, leading up to Easter. Um, next week, we're going to define two terms that are often misunderstood. Pentecostal and charismatic. 
Those are the words we're going to talk about, what they actually mean according to Scripture. And then the third week, we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what that is and what that does. Okay? I encourage you to be here. If you have friends that have struggled with the Holy Spirit, if you've got family members that, like, that are like, why do you go to that weird VFC church? Do they, do they speak in tongues? <laughs> These next two Sundays... <laughs> These next two Sundays are really good Sundays to bring someone because we'll just look at the Scripture. We're just going to look at Scripture and see what Scripture says. And then we're going to let that be our guide, okay? So I encourage you. This is going to be, this is going to be a really good series. Close your eyes. Before we end, I want you to ask that, that question to the Holy Spirit this time. In your own words, just say, Holy Spirit, who are you to me? If you will, let me lead you in a prayer where you give Holy Spirit access to your life. Where you can interact. And I believe if you'll pray this, and I know many of you are already best buds with with the Holy Spirit. I get it. But there's always more. So let's pray this together and let's believe God for some awesome interaction with him this week. If If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. When you left the earth, you told me that was best because you would send your Holy Spirit. So I received the Holy Spirit as my helper, as my purifier, as my teacher, as my guide, as my convictor, and one who gives me intimate friendship. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to feel your presence. I want to be aware of you everywhere I am and everything I do. I invite you into every moment of my life. I want to encounter you. I love you and I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Close this out.